Last week, I know there's, there's a lot of new people here today, and I say welcome, welcome to Connect. Uh, we have an app, and we also have all of our podcasts online, so I encourage you guys to, uh, to go there and get caught up. We are in what we are calling our reaction series. We're studying in the letter of James, and we've been doing this since September. First of all, we called it action, and then we took a break for Christmas, and we had come to worship series. Now we're in the reaction series as we finish out the last couple messages of James. We're going to find ourselves in, in uh, chapter 4 and 5. But I want to do a recap from last week. Who remembers the illustrations we used last week? What was the first thing we were supposed to do? Kneel, but that's humble yourselves before the Lord. That's what James encouraged us to do. And if you remember, I had a cross over here, and I took a couple people. Sean, I think, was the first one, right? <laughs> and we kneeled by the cross. Then what was the second thing we're supposed to do? Resist the devil. And I had a station of donuts here, and I called the donuts devil because I'm on keto now for uh, 10 days. And so, yeah, the, the donuts were the devil. What was the third station that we went to? Come close to God. We went back there. We grabbed the Bibles. We had Bibles available, and we said that represents coming close to God. It's more than that, but that's part of it. And then what was the fourth thing we needed to do? Wash our hands, purify our hearts. Yes, Jerry has the the stuff back there for us to wash and purify our hearts. And then what was the uh, fifth station? Let look at you guys are all over it. You must have your notes or something. Let there be tears. Yes, yeah, so I came up here, I grabbed a Kleenex, and I talked about, you know what? Sometimes we need to let ourselves be emotional and, and let ourselves walk through a, a sorrowful process. I had no idea that on Monday that process was going to start for me with Eddie. And then the last thing we did, it wasn't a new station, but the sixth thing that James told us to do was humble ourselves again. And we went back to the cross, and he said, humble yourselves before the Lord. That was, a good, that was a good teaching. It kind of set us up for what's about to come, as you'll find out today as we continue on in the James letter. But before we do that, I have a, a little video here that I want to show you. So hit the lights, and let's roll that video, please. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Now notice Jesus is sitting down. His disciples are coming to him privately, and asking him this question, When shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the age? Now these disciples had been led to believe that the world was coming to an end. They had been led to believe by the teachings of Jesus and by the Old Testament prophets that there was going to be an end to the age and that Christ was coming back to set up his kingdom. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Every Bible expositor and every commentary that I've ever read in expounding this passage says that Jesus taught, that Jesus believed, and he led the disciples to believe that someday, at a point in history, there would be an end of an age, an end of an era in which 
he would return to earth again. And this has been the hope of the church down through the centuries. James tells his readers to be patient unto the coming of the Lord. How many of you have seen Billy Graham before? Have you ever watched his TV shows? Or I mean, some of us might have actually been to one of his crusades and stuff like that. Uh, later this year, uh, Will Graham, which is uh, Billy Graham's uh, grandson, is going to be here in Great Falls. He's doing a circuit, a celebration circuit is what he's calling it. And he's hitting four or five Montana cities. Great Falls is going to be one of those cities. So... Uh, Keep your eyes out for that, because from what I understand, I don't know Will, but from what I understand, I've met some of his representatives in the last few months, and they say he's very much like Billy. He's just got that fire and that passion. I love Billy Graham, because Billy Graham would just say it as it is. He'd speak plain language, spoke the gospel, and that was awesome. That was awesome. But in this video, Billy was talking about what we're going to read about in our next few verses. Go to James chapter 5. That's where we're going to be headed today. James chapter 5, verse 7 through 8. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. For the coming of the Lord is near. That's what James is telling us. And I don't know about you, uh, I've been following Jesus since about 1993. But even before that, there were books, there were movies about the second coming of Jesus. Uh, you might have heard or known of Hal Lindsey. He had a, a book and a movie, The Late Great Planet Earth. And it, it was about prop, the prophecy of Jesus and the second coming. Now, he never gave a date, but through his research and stuff, people thought Jesus was going to come back in the 1980s. <laughs> and maybe if you were around in the 1980s, I wasn't a believer then, but there was a book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Going to Come Back in 1988. <laughs> yeah. And then when he didn't, guess what they did? Yeah, they wrote one for 1989 then after that, right? Nine, 89 Reasons Why He's Going to Come Back. But I do remember Y2K. Gene and I became believers in 93, and Y2K was a huge thing. Man, there was people doing all kinds of crazy stuff for Y2K. I, I got caught up in a little bit of that, too. You know, the computers around the world are going to crash. It's going to be like Armageddon, man. There's going to be martial law. Jesus is probably going to come back. It's going to be the end of the world. Uh, it didn't happen. Just last year, we had the blood moon Thing. I don't know if you guys were involved in that or heard anything about the blood moons. Yet another prediction about the end of the world. Maybe you remember 2012, the Mayan calendar ended. Oh, so that's going to be Armageddon too. The, the world's going to end then. No, none of these things have come to pass. People try to predict this stuff, but they're not going to be able to, as we're going to find out later in our teaching here today. But you know what? I remember being a new believer in the late 90s and thinking about all that. And I'm like, I was praying, Jesus, don't come back yet. I want, I want to have grandkids. <laughs> we had kids, but I'm like, Lord, I want, I want grandkids. Well, how selfish is that, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe it was something different for you. May, maybe you don't want Jesus come, to come back because you want to be married. Or maybe you want to have kids. Or maybe you want grandkids like I did. Maybe you want to finish school. 
Start a career. I, I don't know what the reasons are. Maybe you're thinking, boy, I hope Jesus doesn't come back today. But the bottom line is Jesus has not come back yet. That's the bottom line. We all know that. So it seems like today a lot of Christians have stopped talking about the second coming of Jesus. It's, it's almost like we've forgotten that Jesus is coming again. Or maybe we've just gotten impatient and now we're, we're skeptical. We've stopped believing. Well, you know, they've been saying that for 2,000 years. That ain't never going to happen. But this is exactly what James is talking about in the next few verses that we're going to read. That's exactly what he was worried about in the church in the first century. So let's continue on reading. James chapter 5 Verse 7 and 8 says this, But dear brothers and sisters, be patient. We already read that. For as you wait for the Lord's return, consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains. They look eagerly to the harvest. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. He uses patient twice. And I have it in the Greek here on on the screen, what patient is. I'm not going to try to pronounce that. Uh, but that's what it means. And, and, but I think the definition is really awesome. It means to have a long spirit. Have you ever thought of your spirit as being long? I, I've never really considered that, but, but that's what that word means, to have a long spirit, not to lose heart, to persevere patiently and bravely in enduring misfortunes and troubles. That's what James is telling us to do here. And these first century Christians that he was writing to, they were pretty grumpy that Jesus hadn't come back yet. They figured he was going to be ascended into heaven, and then, man, in no time, Jesus is coming back. It's going to be awesome. But like I said, that was 2,000 years ago, and they were seriously grumpy even back then. But what I want to tell us here today, here's the thought of the day. Get in it for the long haul. Get in it for the long haul. That's what James is encouraging us to do today. So if you're taking notes, that's a fill in your blank. There's a long section in James here that we're not going to dissect today. It's it's at the end of chapter 4 through the middle of chapter 5. And and, and he gives us a lot of great instructions. So I'm going to encourage you guys, go ahead today or tomorrow and read through that portion of James. It's really interesting. We're not going to dissect it here, but, but James basically is what he's doing is encouraging us to make right decisions because Jesus is coming soon. That's the bottom line. That's the theme that James is trying to get to us in that, in that portion. But for today, what I want to do is I want to give us two reasons why we need to be getting into it for the long haul. The first reason is this. Number one, Jesus is coming. Really. Jesus is coming, really. When you might ask yourself, how can I say that? Bob, how do you say that? Why, how can you say that? Well, Billy Graham said it too. What did he say? He says he knows because Jesus talked about it. Jesus was the one that set up this idea in the Bible. And, and did you know that everything Jesus predicted came true? Everything Jesus predicted came true. This is going to come true as well at some point in time. Yes, I believe that Jesus is coming back again. 
So let's start reading. I, I, I want to read Jesus' words, but first I want to continue on with, with the Apostle Paul. And, and I'm going to go to 1 Thessalonians. So I'm jumping out of James. We're leaving James behind for a little bit. And we're going to springboard into 1 Thessalonians. And this is the Apostle Paul writing this. It says this, 1 Thessalonians 5. The day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. If you've read those books, Left Behind, that's kind of the thought process for that. Well, I was going to say trilogy, but I think there's like 10 books in, the, in that series. There's a lot of books in that series. Unexpected, like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. Now, I've never been pregnant, obviously. So ladies, I'm just going to have to believe that that is unexpected and it's crazy and it comes out of the blue. And that's what he's talking about here. And there will be no escape. There will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. That's us. If you're a believer here today, that's you. You're not in the dark. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. And here's what Paul says. So be on guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. And then he gives us a little illustration or example. He says the night is the time when people sleep and when drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed. Does that mean I'm never supposed to go to bed? No, it doesn't mean that. It means that we are enlightened because we have Jesus and the Holy Spirit in our lives. So we are children of the light. So let's be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. So on one hand, Paul's talking about some calamity and some disaster happening here on the earth. But if we're walking with Jesus... There's all kinds of blessings going to come our way. And there's a confidence that we can have walking through this idea of the second coming of Jesus. So let's continue reading just a couple more verses. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his wrath or his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when Jesus returns, we can live with him forever. That's the great hope. And it was important for him to say dead or alive when Jesus returns because there was a teaching in the early church that said, well, if you were dead, you were going to miss Jesus. And that's not true. That's why he took, uh, he said that if you're alive or dead. It doesn't matter if you're alive or dead. You will live with him forever. Verse 11 is the, the exclamation point. So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. And that's what we're here to talk about today, to encourage each other and to build each other up, because Jesus is coming, really, he really is. We don't know the date or the time, but he is coming. And But I want to be real. Obviously, he hasn't come in over 2,000 years, right? It's a long time ago that this was written, and Jesus hasn't come back yet. It can be very easy for us, even as believers, to become, well, maybe complacent, disenchanted, skeptical, grumpy that he hasn't come back yet. Or maybe happy that he hasn't come back yet, but you need to watch yourself with that. But if you do a Google search on Jesus is coming, this is what comes up in one of the images. Go ahead and show that. 
That's what you get. <laughs> Jesus is coming, look busy. Now, I love sarcasm and snarkiness, okay? As long as it's not mean-spirited, and I don't think this is, but you know what? There's some truth to that. I mean, that's funny, but you know, all comedy is based on a little bit of reality, right? And so that is kind of a mindset maybe that the world has. You know, as believers, we should be living every day expecting Jesus to come back at any moment. You know, some of you might have experienced this. Uh, maybe as a kid, you were a, grew up in a Christian home, and maybe as a kid you came home expecting your parents to be home, and they weren't. What was the first thing you thought of? The rapture took place, and I missed it. I missed Jesus coming back. What is going on here? Now what am I going to do? Now the rapture means caught up, and the second coming, there, there, there is teaching out there, a couple different teachings. You know, the rapture is being caught up with Jesus, and the second coming is when Jesus comes to the earth. Some people teach that together. Some people say it's a separate thing. That's really not important right now, what I want to talk about. But what I want to talk about is the fact that it can bring with it a measure of fear. <laughs> I was talking with some people this morning about the second coming. The first response was, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Well, we shouldn't have that response, really. We shouldn't. We should be expecting Jesus and looking forward to him coming back. Jesus doesn't want us to live in fear. He wants us to live with an anticipation, an excitement that he is going to come back. And then, you know what? We aren't going to have to deal with this earth anymore the way it is right now. It's going to be different. And you know, when I think of Eddie, the first coming for Eddie was when he gave his heart to the Lord. For each one of us, that's the first. We weren't here when Jesus was on the earth. So for each one of us now, the first coming of Jesus is when you put your, your trust in him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then you know when the second coming is going to be? Well, it could be when Jesus manifests himself here on earth. Maybe. But the second coming for each one of us surely is going to be when we die. That's going to be our second coming. So whether you're expecting him to come in the clouds or not, either way, we're going to see Jesus again. For each one of us, it might be our death. That'll be the second coming. Or it could be this grand second coming of Jesus that he predicted in the Bible. Who knows? Either way, we will all experience the second coming of Jesus you know, I was looking at YouTube, and I went to look at that Hale Lindsay video. It had been a long time. I don't even know if I'd ever watched the whole thing all the way through, but I was looking at that, and, and, and I looked at a YouTube comment uh, from a viewer, and it says this, and I just think it is so good. It says this, The rapture was preached in many circles back in the 70s. There was a spiritual awakening. I don't think any of us who got saved back then ever thought we would be living to see these days. And this was written in 2017. We thought that the Lord's return was definitely going to happen, maybe in the 70s or maybe in the 80s. We thought we had the technology that the Antichrist would need to bring about a world dominance and a world order. Boy, were we wrong, all caps. <laughs> Nevertheless, I stay vigilant and watching. That's what this YouTube viewer says. I stay vigilant and watching, and stay and watching are in all caps. Never letting my guard down, 
not even for a moment, because now our salvation is closer than when we first believed. I think that's super important. And that's true for you and for me here today. Our salvation is closer than when we first believed. I made mention that Jesus taught on this as well, and we're going to go there right now into Matthew. Jesus taught about his second coming with with all seriousness. Matthew 24 says this, No one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. That's interesting. Jesus didn't even know. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when the time will come, be on guard. Stay alert. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work that they were to do. And he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too must keep watch. For you don't know when the master of the household is going to return. In the evening, maybe at midnight, before dawn, or even at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone. Watch for him. So there's some things here that Jesus says that we really need to consider and think about this morning in light of what James was telling us in his letter. Jesus is coming, really, but nobody knows when Jesus will return. It plainly says that right there. So all those people out there that are trying to predict it, they're not going to know. It does say we won't know the season and time if you're a believer and if you understand to be looking for things, but we're not going to know the time or the date It's going to be sudden and without warning. That's what we know for sure. It's just going to happen. It could happen in the next minute. Jesus says, watch and be ready. Watch and be ready. And no, I think that's one of the reasons why we really want to invest in kids' ministry too. In the youth. You know, recently, in the last six months or so, maybe a little longer, Will has been in charge of our youth program here, building it up has a heart for youth, so do all the leaders that are working with him, to make sure they know what the gospel that Jesus is all about so they can make that decision. Make that decision to follow after him. And that's what we teach the littles in the different classrooms so that they have an understanding of who Jesus is so when they become aware enough to make that decision that they do. Super important that we reach out and we invest in our kids that way. So I'm in it for the long haul because Jesus is coming, really. The second reason is this. I have great examples of long-haul faith. I have great examples of long-haul faith. And not just me, but I'm asking, saying that of you too, do you? Let's think about this for a minute. Do you have great examples of long-haul faith that you can think of? You know, maybe not in your immediate family. I don't know if you're a first-generation Christian. I am. Gene and I, we're first-generation Christians. So as I look at my tree, I I don't have a lot of long-haul faith there. But, you know, Gene and I have been walking with the Lord for quite a few years. So there are people that we can look to and point to that say, wow, man, they got some long-haul faith. Maybe Maybe for you it's your parents. Maybe you grew up in Sunday school. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher that was really awesome or a pastor, or a friend, or a co-worker. 
I knew a couple co-workers back in the day that man had some serious faith. And, and really, that was part of my process to know who Jesus was. It just seemed like there were these people of faith coming into my life, and I couldn't explain why. Looking back on it, they were just part of God's plan for me, for Bob Thick. Maybe you have those people in your life too. James 5.11 says this, We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know that Job, a man of great endurance, you can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Now endurance here, it basically what this means is describes a man who is not swerved by his faith. By even the greatest trials and sufferings, he is steadfast in his faith. And, and Job is the example that James uses here. Now, Job, if you don't know, was an Old Testament character who had an incredible endurance in spite of great suffering. He lost his home, his wealth, his family. His friends turned on him and asked this question, this is all your fault, Job. It's because you've sinned. All this suffering has come down upon you. Ah, Some really good friends they were. But Job knew that wasn't true. He dismissed that. He knew that that was not true. Maybe somebody has said that to you. Maybe somebody has said that to you in your life. Well, it's because of the sin that you've created in yourself. That's why all this stuff is happening. You know, I look at Job, and and I think many of us who know the story of Job, and if you don't, I encourage you to read it, we would have abandoned the faith (laughs) enduring what he went through, all the craziness that he endured through his suffering. But Job had incredible faith, and he's our example. He had remarkable endurance that we can learn from. Listen to some of the things that Job said. Job 13, 15. Job says this, God might kill me, but I have no other hope. I'm going to argue my case with him. Man, that's awesome. So when we get frustrated with God, what what do we sometimes do? Do we ignore him? Do we just stop believing? Do we just disobey him and do whatever we want to do? Because we're mad, I'll show you God. I'll do whatever I want to do. We try to hurt him like we think he's hurting us. But that's not what Job did. Job argued with God. I love that. Man, I love that. God's not afraid of our frustration. He's not afraid of our anger. You know, this life sucks a lot of times. Let's just be honest. Stuff happens, and it just stinks. But instead of running away from God, we need to run to God and have him be the source for our comfort. And that's what Job did. Job kept his faith intact. It's okay to argue with God. You know, I think maybe one one of the keys to this endurance that Job was talking about was how his frustration came out in arguments with the Lord. He was able to get it off his chest. 
is he'll just be honest. God knows what you're thinking anyways. It's almost therapeutic. And we have the advantage today in 2019 then to go and read his word and look at all the promises and the hope that we find in the Bible. And friends coming around, railing around us. That's what we need to do for Kitty when she gets back to town. I love Job's honesty. (laughs) He knew that there was no other hope but the Lord. That's what he said. There is no other hope but you. So I need to argue. I need to wrestle with you, with the case that I have, this thing that I'm thinking, I'm struggling with, God. I need to wrestle with you about it because God is our only hope. Job 16, 18 and 19, he says this, O earth, Do not conceal my blood. Let it cry out on my behalf. Even now my witness is in heaven. My advocate is there on high. In spite of his suffering, Job is crying out to heaven. He knows he has an advocate there, which is God. We, now that Jesus came and died for each one of our sins and rose again, he's our advocate. We have Jesus there advocating for each one of us. An advocate is somebody who represents you when you can't represent yourself. Like an attorney or a social worker or some career like that. That's Jesus for us, man. Jesus is advocating for us. When the devil's accusing you, Jesus is standing there in the gap for us. That's awesome, man. Jesus is in heaven advocating for each one of us. Next verse, I just have a couple more here. Job 19.25. But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and he will stand upon the earth at last. Many of you that maybe have been in church since the 90s know that this is a worship song. This is where the song comes from. I know that my Redeemer lives, and he will stand upon the earth at last. Wow, Job wrote that. Isn't that crazy? There's hope. Even Job, who lived millennia ago, knew that someday his Redeemer, the Redeemer, would come again. Man, that's amazing. Incredible faith that Job had. Job was in this for the long haul through everything that he endured in his life. And then listen to this last verse, and I'm going to quote Job 40, 12, right there at the end. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. Everything was restored even more than he had before. Did Job have questions? Yep. Did Job get angry? Yep. Was Job probably not happy with the trials and everything? Yep. He wasn't happy about it. But he didn't stop believing. He didn't stop praying. He was in it for the long haul. So I don't know about you. I asked you before if you know somebody that's in it for long haul. You know, Pastor Russ and Chris, they they lead the the connect down in Bozeman, and we've gotten to know them over the years, 25-plus years we've been friends. And and Chris's mom, Judy, is amazing. They live in Boise, Idaho now. They're retired, or I should say they're they're semi-retired, not really retired. They still are in ministry, still doing things. They don't punch a, a time clock, I should say. They're, they're older. She's amazing. She has faith like you wouldn't believe. You're in the room with her for a minute, and your spirit is uplifted. You're like, wow, this is awesome, man. 
she has long haul faith, man. She's in it for the long haul. And it's awesome being around her. Maybe, maybe you know somebody who's in it for the long haul. Well, the, the question I have was, will you follow that example of endurance? Will you follow that example of patience as you wait for the coming of the Lord? That's what we're, we're waiting for. We're waiting for Jesus. And like I made mention, it could be out of the sky or it could be at the end of our lives. Either way, we'll see Jesus again. That's the second coming. Grab your connection cards or your notes, and we have something that we call next steps. I just want to process us through this as the band is going to come up here in a second. The first thing on your, on your card there says, hey, I'm going, to follow, I'm going to start following Jesus today. I want to start following Jesus today. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've listened to this, and maybe you've been around church a little bit, but you've never been all in. You've never been into this for the long haul. Today's your day. Or, number two, I'm in it for the long haul. You know what? I've been following Jesus for a while. And Bob, yeah, I've been skeptical. I've gotten complacent. But you know what? My, my commitment's renewed this morning. So I, I'm in it for the long haul. Or I want to raise my level of expectation for Jesus' return. Maybe that's something you haven't thought of in quite a while. I know it's not talked about a lot. Maybe that's you. Raise your level of awareness and expectation and read some more in the Bible what it has to say about end times and Jesus coming back. Or I'm resolving to develop long-haul faith. Maybe you've been a little wishy-washy. Maybe you don't have that long-haul faith, but you know what? Today you're saying, I'm going to develop that in my life. I'm going to give you guys a couple minutes to write that out. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. For each one of us it's, it's a personal thing today and i just say thank you and, and it's personal for each one of us lord i pray for those that are here today that through this teaching time that we've had that their spirit has been encouraged it's been challenged and lord maybe there's those here that that don't know you i want to pray for them right now Maybe that's you. Maybe you've been on the fence with this relationship with Jesus, but after this teaching and after being part of this communion time, you're like, man, I just, I need to make a commitment. I want to pray for you. Lord, I pray for those that are here right now. Pray with me as I pray over each one of us. Jesus, thank you for coming and, and, and being the sacrifice for my sin. Today, I, I know that I've missed the mark and I believe that you are the Son of God and you came here and died and rose again so that I might have relationship with the Father. So change me now from the inside out. I, I want to follow after you. I want my, my life to be different. God, I made a mess of it and, and I'm asking you now, Jesus, to help guide me into the future. Help me, I pray. And I believe it and I thank you. Give me that big faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.